St. Matthew chapter 15, beginning with verse 21. The Bible says, beginning with verse 21, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. Verse 24. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Verse 26, But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Man, the more I read this, the more excited it becomes. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We glorify you. We magnify you. Lord, we give you honor and praise because you are God and God alone. We know and understand that we praise you because of what you do for us. But Lord, we want to worship you just because of who you are. Thank you, Lord, for being my Savior and my Lord. I pray right now in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you would anoint the lips of clay. That every word that comes out of my mouth would glorify you and magnify your name. Anoint every heart, soul, mind, and understanding here in this place. That as your word comes forth, God, it would transform and change our hearts. That we would leave this place different than when we came in. Lord, I ask that you encamp your angels around these buildings. That you remove any hindrance and stumbling block. That, Lord, as your word goes out, it would not return unto you void. Thank you. Speak to us. Bless us. Be with us. And God, we will always give you the glory and the honor and the praise and we ask this above all in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord and everybody say amen I want you to turn to your neighbor one more time shake their hand and ask them are you going to press through the mess are you going to press through the mess <coughs> You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. As an atheist teacher was teaching her first grade class about whales, a little girl raised her hand and says out loud, in the Bible, Jonah was swallowed by a whale. The teacher turns to the little girl and promptly responds, That story isn't true, sweetie. 
because it's physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human being. The teacher, seeing the bewildered look in the little girl's eyes, continued to say, even though whales are very large mammals, their throats are very small, so they cannot swallow people. The little girl, firm in her Christian belief, blurted out again that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. Irritated, the atheist teacher reiterated that a whale could not swallow a human being because it was physically impossible. The little girl then stopped to think for a moment what the teacher was saying and quickly says to her, When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah if he was swallowed, uh, swallowed by a whale. At which the teacher responded sarcastically, but what if Jonah went to hell? At which the little girl sincerely responded, then you're going to have to ask him about that, ma'am. <laughs> yes. No wonder Jesus himself declared in Matthew 21, 16, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Today, if you are going to be blessed by God, you have to be a person of faith and action. Why? Because faith cannot work without action. In our scripture reading, the Lord Jesus was trying to teach his followers to be not only people of faith, but people of action also. In the previous verses of Matthew 15, after he... After a, a heated debate with the Pharisees between dogma and doctrine and between tradition and principles, between custom and practice and between ceremony and belief. And as they traveled from Galilee north to the region of Tyre and Sidon, the Lord wants his disciples to understand that preaching the gospel is going to require more than just knowledge of dogmas more than just knowledge of traditions and customs and ceremony and he wants them to understand that spreading the good news of God's kingdom is going to take a living and carrying out the message of the cross somebody say amen, amen. so in Matthew chapter 15 verses 21 to 22 the scriptures reveal that as Jesus went out and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Now this woman and devoted mother comes across the coast of Tyre and Sidon to find Jesus. Why? Because her daughter is severely possessed. Not just possessed, not just oppressed, not just suppressed, but severely demon-possessed. And as she approaches the Lord, she realizes that Jesus is not only surrounded by a multitude of people, but he is also well-guarded by his disciples. Hallelujah. And 
We know this because after she cries out to Jesus, after she comes and says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. The Bible says in verse 23 that Jesus not only remained silent and didn't respond to her, but his disciples came and urged Jesus, saying, Send her away. For she cries out after us. Now watch this. There were layers of people around Jesus. Layers of people that this woman had to go through to get to Jesus. It wasn't just a walk in a park. It wasn't that she can just walk up to him and, 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 and speak to him. Jesus was constantly surrounded by people. And there was layer after layer after layer of people. And the last layer of defense was his disciples that were always surrounding him. Somebody say amen. And when she is finally close enough to the Lord and cries out to him. We know that she hasn't passed through the last layer of the disciples yet. Because they assume she is bothering them with her begging. Because they come to the Lord and say, Jesus, send her away, for she's crying out to us. She wasn't crying out to them. She was crying out to Jesus. But these guys were still uh, 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 in, uh, surrounding Jesus, so they thought uh, that she was crying out to them. That She had not crossed that layer yet. Hallelujah. And they took it upon themselves to believe that, uh, hey, this woman is bothering us. So Jesus, send her away. Tell her to go away because we're just too busy. And here is where the Lord begins to reveal a powerful, powerful spiritual principles that are often ignored by God's people. Things that the church ignores or doesn't know or understand. Because what I want you to understand, first of all, is that the real problem this woman faced was not that the Lord was ignoring her. The real problem was not that Jesus was going to send her away. The real problem was not that the Lord didn't want to answer, hallelujah, her, her, her request. The real problem was that Jesus did not have time for her. But the real test she faced was that in order to get to Jesus, she not only needed to navigate the crowd, but she had to deal with the disciples first. Somebody say amen. She had to deal with the Lord's disciples. In other words, uh, part of our faith test requires uh, we press through the mess first. Let me say that again. The real test of your faith is going to require that you press through the mess first. In other words, we have to deal with people first. We have to deal with our issues. We have to deal with our attitudes. We have to deal with our deficiencies. We have to deal with our idiosyncrasies first before asking God for anything. Because anytime you come seeking after the king, you have to deal with the kingdom first. Listen, God has a miracle for your life. 
He has an answer to your prayers. He has a blessing and a promise ready for you to receive. But the problem is that we refuse to deal with our issues first. We want God to do his part, but we don't want to do our part. Come on, somebody. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, I know that the Lord is all-powerful. I know that nothing is impossible for him. I know that he can just speak the word, and amen, it is done. Hallelujah. But Jesus is telling us, listen, uh, before you can reach me, before I can, hallelujah, answer your prayer, you've got to press through the mess first. Uh, you've got to do what you need to do. You've got to do what I've told you to do, what I told you to do through your father and through your mother, through the preacher, what I told you to do through your conscience, uh, what you know that you should do and you refuse to do somebody say amen and the sad part is the lord says uh, hallelujah that some of us no some people outside this church not in this church uh, hallelujah have an attitude about it somebody say amen hallelujah oh no you can't tell me what to do because then i'm just going to go to another church i don't know where that came from it's not my notes we have tremendous needs that Jesus is ready to fulfill, but we still have sin problems. Hallelujah. We have relationships in our lives that need to be mended, but we still harbor anger and bitterness. God is ready to release gifts. He's ready to release ministry into our lives, but we get upset when the preacher talks about faithfulness, about service, about giving. Even though the Bible commands us to do that, we want God to help us with our loved ones, with our unsaved ones, with family that are bound yet we refuse to change our attitudes from the old man into the new man and what we fail to understand is that when we don't press through the mess first then we don't want God bad enough for him to move in our lives this is why God told his people in 2nd Chronicles 7 verses 14 15 and 16 this is what God said to his people. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and concentrated, consecrated this temple so that my name be there forever. Hallelujah. My eyes and my heart will always be there. Somebody say man, because he wanted his people. Hallelujah. To deal with all of their issues first. Hallelujah. He wanted the people to pray through the mess God is telling you today listen there's a whole bunch of luggage there's a whole bunch of mess that you have not resolved yet there's a whole bunch of stuff hallelujah that you choose to ignore and before I can answer you before I can say something to you you've got to press through that mess you've got to do something about it you've got to deal with it you've got to change it you got to kill it you got to crucify it somebody say amen and the the problem is that people even have an attitude about it. Can you imagine if God was to treat us the way he treated sin in the Old Testament? The way that he treated sin with the New Testament church. Can you imagine Sapphira and her husband? Come to Peter. 
And the Lord is telling them, all of you sell everything that you have and, and bring the money into the church treasury and then we're going we're gonna, to uh, 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 spread it to everybody. And Sapphira and her, uh, Ananias and Sapphira, they, they, they decide to, 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 to keep some of it. And the Bible says that the husband comes first and, and presents what, uh, what, um, what uh, he has to the Lord. And, and you know, it's interesting to me that they didn't come together. That's because the Lord was giving them chance after chance. He comes and he says, here is, and, and, and Peter says, you know, the Holy Ghost speaks to him and says, hey, why have you robbed the Lord? He says, this is not all of it. And, and, and Ananias felt dead, boom, right there on the spot. And then his wife comes and she does the same thing. You know, maybe she knew about it. Maybe she didn't. But she comes and Peter says, why is this in your heart? And she falls dead right there. I thank God that the Lord doesn't treat us like that anymore because I'd be preaching as a dead man to a lot of dead people. <laughs> and the Lord remained silenced, silent and didn't answer her because he wanted to see if the woman was willing to press through the controversy before she could receive her miracle. If she would press through the kingdom for her demon-possessed daughter. Because once you take care of business in your life, uh, your Christian walk uh, is going to become a tenacious Christian walk. Somebody say amen. Your Christian service uh, will become persistent. Uh, because once we press through the mess uh, in our lives and deal with our sins, with our issues, with our deficiencies and with our attitudes first. Uh, then God will move us into a level of blessing uh, that walks above things that people say. Encounter. Somebody say amen. God moves us into a spiritual level. Hallelujah. That lives above the circumstances. Not under them. A level of the spirit that sees the invisible. That hears the inaudible. Hallelujah. That knows the unknowable. And does the impossible. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. And today. The healing the miracle, the need, the petition, the deliverance you desperately seek is yours if you would only press through the mess. This is why Jesus told the people, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Amen. And see, what, what has happened is that we live in a culture and a generation that, uh, that uh, and I was just listening to this on a, on a, on a video uh, yesterday, that um, uh, if something happens in your life, it's always somebody else's or something else's fault. The hardest things that we are facing today is teaching uh, 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 young people and adults also to get them to understand that we need to take responsibility for our actions because something happens is somebody else's fault we blame the government we blame the culture we blame the church we blame the pastor and the Lord is saying listen you're the one that's going to have to Press through the mess. 
Because when you stand before God, you're going to stand alone. Your mommy and your daddy are not going to be there with you. And you won't be able to say, Jesus, but it was my mom's fault. It was my dad's fault. You know why that's not going to be possible? Anybody know why that's not going to be possible? The Bible says that every thought, every action, everything that you've done is going to be played right there in front of you. So if you're saying that it didn't happen and then there's a screen there showing that it did, better repent right there before the Lord says, Depart from me, the worker of iniquity. I know you not. But it's because we have our culture. See, I'm blaming the culture now. Our culture has ingrained in us this mentality that it is everybody else's uh, a fault. Well, I'm like this because of my mom and my dad. Yeah, what about when you become an adult? Are you still living under mom's and dad's grip? What about after you have your children? There has to come a point in our lives where you have to press through the mess. There has to come a point in your life when you got to uh, uh, say to yourself, listen, I got to stop being a sissy. Come on, somebody. Right? Just saying. Why? Because Jesus wants to do something with our lives. And he's not going to do it if we're not taking care of business first. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians, not here, but in other churches, blame the church for everything. And listen, though there might be some truth to what people do in the church, the bottom line is, is that I'm responsible for every action, for every motive, for every attitude that I allow in my life. The, the, the video that I was listening to, I forget his name, it's, it's one of the, it's, it's one of the uh, characters or one of the persons in, uh, in that show that, um, that you go in there and you try to sell your, your idea and they buy that idea. What's the name? Shark Tank. It was one of the, one of the guys that uh, is part of Shark Tank and, and he's a public speaker now. He says a lot of good things. The only thing I don't like is that every other word is a four-letter word. But, uh, you know, he's talking to, to uh, this young generation because this guy is a billionaire, you know? This guy, and, and, and he, and he uh, uh, made his money just working hard. And he's talking to them, and some of them say, ah, but, you know, our economy and our society, and he says, nobody... Uh, gives a blankety blank blank about your feelings. He says, do you understand that? Nobody cares about your feelings. He says, I don't care about your feelings. If you want to be successful, you got to work hard and you got to do this, 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 and this and that. And everybody's like, yeah. <clears throat> and it's true because even in the church, sometimes preachers are afraid to preach the word because somebody's feelings are going to get hurt. 
Somebody say amen. amen. <clears throat> but the Lord, see, and, that, and this is where we blame the Lord. <laughs> well, the Lord told me to tell you this. But the Lord wants us to understand that <clears throat> this woman, number one, <clears throat> was not a Jew. She was not Hebrew. She was a pagan woman. She had, according to the law, according to the culture of the time, she had no right to be there. But she didn't care about that because she wanted something so bad and healing for her daughter that she says, I'm going to have to, number one, press to the couch. See, 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 she had two things going against her right off the bat. Number one, she was a woman. And back in Bible times, women were not looked upon as, as, oh, here comes a lady, you know, open up the way. No. They were looked at as second-class citizens. You wait your turn. I go first. Why? Because I'm a man. So number one, she had to go through a crowd of Jews who, number two, are very prejudiced. You're not, a, you're not Hebrew. You shouldn't even be here. I believe that as she's walking through the crowd, everybody's just like, you know. That's the first thing. And the second thing is that she's going through uh, the disciples. And the disciples right now are on a high horse. How do I know that they're on a high horse? How, how do I know that they're egotistical? Because she yells out, David, I mean, uh, Jesus, son of David. And they come back, Jesus, please tell her to go away because she's crying after us. I didn't hear her say, Peter, John, Thomas. But these guys are on this high horse. But the woman is so desperate. The woman has such a great need that she does not care. And, 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 and Jesus wants to see if she's willing to press through the mess. See, all of us here within the sound of my voice have tremendous needs. Uh, you have tremendous spiritual needs, uh, physical needs, uh, emotional needs. Hallelujah. And, and, and God wants to answer those. God wants to take you out. God wants to, hallelujah, endue you with power and with giftings and with ministries. Hallelujah. But he looks at our lives and he sees our hearts and he says, there's a whole bunch of mess in there and you got to press through it. Uh, hallelujah. Before I can bless you, before I can heal you, before I can deliver you, you've got to take care of business. Why? Because if I bless you, hallelujah, with all that mess, you're going to make a mess of the blessing that I give you. <clears throat> it's it's kind of like. It's kind of like an immature person. Would you give an immature person a million dollars? Why not? It doesn't take much to spend a million dollars. It's a lot of money, but it doesn't take much. Okay? You can buy two cars and spend the whole million. Just with two cars. I hear some of my kids, oh yeah, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to buy me a... Uh, a, a Lamborghini or Mercedes, and I'm looking at this. You don't even have a job. <laughs> you don't even know what it is to work. I have to yell at you in the morning because you're late for school. I, I'm going to tell you this. You can ask my kids. I don't give them any breaks because I want them to learn what life is like. 
I saw a video of this of this woman that was in the Navy. And uh, uh, when you're in the base, and and uh, what certain times of the day they they play the da da da, da you know. And what are you supposed to do? Right? Now this this knucklehead is filming herself sitting down, and she goes, "Man, that's the hardest 45 seconds of my life." Blah blah blah. But I'm standing against. Guess what happened to her? See, this generation thinks, oh, well, you know what, she can sue. No, no, not in the military. In the military, they can court-martial you because you went against regulations. You went against the law of the military. She got kicked out. Dishonorable discharge. You know what that means? No benefits, no nothing. It's like if you were never in the military. Hallelujah. Why? Because she thought she was it. And she's sitting down, you know, this, no, hallelujah. You and I need to understand, especially us youngins, hallelujah. There are consequences for our actions. And the Lord is saying, listen, hallelujah. If you want a blessing, I can give you a blessing. I can heal you. I can deliver you. I can raise you up, hallelujah, to a place that nobody can reach you. Hallelujah. But you've got to press through the mess. You've got to take care of your attitude. You've got to take care of your thinking, stinking from the neck up. Somebody say amen. You gotta change the way that you live, change the things that you do, and stop blaming everybody else. Hallelujah for your nonsense. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. I remember going to a youth camp one time, and 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 this young man comes, and he's all contrite, and he's all repented, and and he's all. Uh, 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 convicted and pastor pray for me why because because I just you know every uh, I feel the presence of the Lord and every time I go down from the mountain hallelujah I hang out with my friends and I end up sinning pray hallelujah that uh, that uh, that uh, the Lord stopped the devil that the Lord stopped this and this and I says no 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 I'm not gonna pray for that why not I'm gonna pray that you stop what yeah you Stop hanging out with those guys. And today we even, we even posted all proud. I just shake my head and I says, boy, oh boy. The devil doesn't even have to reel us in, you know. He just says, this is what the devil does. I'm just waiting because he's going to come over here. I don't, even have to, I don't even have to throw the line and hook. I'm just going to wait. Why? Because he's going to come to me. How many of you want to be blessed? How many of you want to be used? Well, press through the mess. Because there's not one person here in this room, including myself, that there's mess in there that we got to press through. Amen. Things that we have to resolve and issues that we have to deal with. And the Lord is saying, I'm ready to bless you. I'm ready to do something for you, but you've got to press through them slap your neighbor and tell them why don't you just press through the mess <sighs> all I hear is this <laughs> now watch this watch this let's follow the process here because I've already been preaching 35 minutes almost 40 minutes see how fast the time flies when you're having fun <laughs> the Lord is so good watch this when the Lord Jesus finally decides to answer the woman's cries, he says to her in verse 24, you want to put verse 24 up there. He says, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
And the Lord says this not because he didn't want to help her. But the Lord says this because, first of all, he sees her pressing through the mess. But he wants to draw out of her the kind of faith that says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. And believes that those things he says will be done. The Bible says he will have whatever he says. So the Lord sees something in this woman that he doesn't see in his disciples. He wants to draw out of her a faith that moves mountains. How do you know this, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. Now watch this. We know the Lord Jesus was trying to draw faith out of her that moves mountains because in the very next verse, verse 25, the scriptures reveal that she came and worshipped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. She came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. I don't know if you caught this. So when the Lord finally answers her and says, listen, I did not come for the pagans. I only came for the children of Abraham. So Jesus finally responds to her, right? Responds to her. And what is the first thing that she does when the Lord responds? She worships him. Now watch this. Now this caught my attention because, you know, you know, uh, I was just telling my wife, my, 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 my grandkids, uh, little Michael, you know, more is caught than taught. So he already know, he, he has already, he's already, what, he's two years. He's going to be three, right? In May, two and a half. And uh, he already knows how to uh, talk back. Not, not disrespectfully yet, but, but. You know, this morning he says, uh, Tata, I want that. And I told him, no. Aww. <laughs> I'm looking at him like, what? I want that car. No. Aww. Now, I don't think that my son and my daughter-in-law, and I don't think that anybody from our family sat down and told him, hey, listen, when you don't get something, your response should be, Aww. I don't think anybody taught them that. Do you do that? Do you do that with your kids? No? But they do it, right? Or is it just mine? Pray for us. It's just our family. We have the curse. No, because that's a nat- natural reaction from the flesh, from the fallen nature. If, if our flesh, if our nature was not fallen, hallelujah, and we say no, they would say, thank you, Father. Your word is as good as gold. Whatever thou sayest, I will follow thee. I'd be like, who are you and what have you done with my son? But that's the fallen nature. Amen. It is automatically. It just, it just doesn't want to uh, heed. So if, if, if this woman was like everybody else, like all of us, when Jesus says, listen, I didn't come here to bless you. I came here to bless the children of Israel. She would have she said, ah, that's not fair. Right? 
I mean, that's how some of us would have done it, right? Or, or no? 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 Some of you would have... The natural way to react, she would have, oh, you know, but she doesn't. The Bible says that she goes and she worships him. Now, watch this. This is, this is so awesome. When the Lord showed me this, it just, it just blew my mind. After she presses through the mess, she came and worshipped him. Now, the Greek word for worshipped in this particular verse, verse is the word proskinua. Proskinio comes from two words. This word means to reverence like a dog licking its master's hand. My dog, Dakota, I have him trained in such a way that when he's my jogging buddy, he never pulls me. I never have to pull him. I have trained him to jog right alongside of me. And he takes the cues of how tired I am. You know, if I'm a little bit tired, he'll start slowing down. But right here. And, and I trained him because before, you know, when I started, he would take off. And now when I jog, he's just like, you know. And he's like, you know, all right, I'm bad, you know. And me too, yeah, yeah, we're bad, you know. <laughs> we're bad. <coughs> but I say that because sometimes <clears throat> when I bring him, I purposely open my hand like this. And he comes and he licks it. He does that. He'll go around, comes, put his nose right here, and he licks it. That's a, that's a, 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 a sign of submittal. He's submitting to me. I'm the alpha dog in his eyes. Now watch this. Watch this. So the word worshipped is proskinua, which means to reverence like a dog licking the master's hands. You see... In Bible times, proskenio was also used to describe a lap dog. Now, uh, some of us know what a lap dog is, right? Okay. For those of you that don't know, I'm going to explain it to you. Now, that word proskenio in the Greek was used to describe a lap dog. Now, this makes a lot of sense when you read the rest of the conversation between Jesus and the woman. When the woman, the Bible says, came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. The Lord responds in the next verse, verse 26. It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. See, she came technically and licked his hand. And that's why he says, listen, I didn't come here to throw that. See, he keeps on the conversation. See the continuity? Yes, no, maybe. Now watch this. Wait, wait, I'm going somewhere. The Lord's not being disrespectful. He's trying to teach something. Okay? So the woman comes and worships him, you know, like a dog licks the master's hand. And he responds, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Jesus wasn't trying to insult the woman by calling her a dog. But instead he was trying to draw out of her a faith that is manifested by humble worship. A reverent faith that is demonstrated by licking the master's hand. And we see this faith when she says in verse 27, Yes, Lord, you did not come to feed the little dogs. Yet, even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. You see, in Bible times, lap dogs would sit in the lap of the master under the table while he ate. 
And the lap dog did this because he knew that if he sat the master's lap long enough, something was going to fall his way from the master's table. The dog knew that the food on the master's table was better than the food on his dish. And the dog was smart enough. He says, I'm going to be a lap dog. I'm going to sit in his lap and I'm just not going to move. I'm not going to bother him. I'm going to just coo and, and you know, just make him, you know, these noises so he can, oh, look at this little dog. You know, he leaves me. But sooner or later, when he's eating, something is going to fall. Hallelujah. And that little something is better than what that dish has. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. And lap dogs, lap dogs know that. Hallelujah. And the devil understands this spiritual principle also of worship, proskenio, licking the master's hand. He understands it well enough. Watch this. He knows the power behind sitting in the master's lap. So he tries to stop you from coming to church. The first sign that Satan has got his grip on you is when you say, I ain't going to church anymore. The devil has already got you like this. And he's just dangling you. Because people have tried to tell me that the spiritual food from the world is better than the spiritual food from the church. So when we say, I'm not going to go to church, where are you going to get that food from? Come on, somebody. And the devil knows that if you come, there is a slight possibility you just might worship Proskenio and lick the master's hand. And when you do, something is going to fall your way from the master's table. Hallelujah. If you come around the anointing long enough, a crumb of God's power is going to fall on your life. If you wait in his presence long enough, the Shekinah glory of God is going to fill your spirit. Hallelujah. Soon enough. If you get in the presence of praise and worship unto the Lord long enough, blessing and favor are going to come your way if you sit on the master's lap long enough a crumb of healing a crumb of deliverance a crumb of restoration a crumb of giftings and ministry is going to fall upon your life the woman had no right to the master's table so she pressed through the mess to get the crumb from above this woman understood that worship proskenua licking the master's hand was necessary to draw out a faith that was going to move mountains because if God is in the bread, there is enough power in the crumbs. If there is healing in the loaf, there is healing in the crumbs. If there is deliverance in the loaf, there is deliverance in the crumbs. If there are miracles in the loaf, there is miracles in the crumbs. If there is Holy Ghost in the bread, there is Holy Ghost in the crumb. Somebody say amen. The woman understood that Jesus had so much power in one crumb that the anointing in it would rebuke every demon in the house. She said listen, I don't care if you sit me at the master's table. I don't care if I eat the carne asada that you have. Just let me worship you. Just let me come to you like a lap dog. And even the crumbs that are gonna fall are gonna cast out every demon, every spirit, every hex, every infirmity that comes into my house and into my life. Somebody say amen. But you first got to press through the mass. Woo. 
Somebody say amen. See, the, the Lord knows all this stuff, and he's got this process and everything, and, and the disciples are just like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And the, and the woman is understanding everything because she just, you know, no, I didn't come here to feed the dogs. I came here to feed the sheep of, of Israel. Uh-huh. <laughs> she didn't do that. She pressed through that mess. She broke through that layer of the disciples. Boom. And worshiped him. She literally grabbed his hand. He says, this woman presses through the mess. I'm going to pull a faith out of her that it's going to move mountains. How do we know that? Watch this. Watch this. What's the next verse? What's verse 28 says? Look at how awesome the word of God is. Is the Lord trying to draw something out of her? Then Jesus answered her and said to her. What did she say? Oh, woman, great is your faith. See, he drew it out. I believe the moment that she threw herself and licked the master's hand, that demon was cast out. See, there is power in the name. There is power in the blood. But sometimes a lot of this stuff, by you just surrendering to the Lord and worshiping the Lord and taking care of the issues first, pressing through the mess, it takes care of itself. The Lord wants to draw out that faith that is in you, <coughs> that is the size of a mustard seed. The Lord wants to, <coughs> hallelujah, uh, uh, do something in your life because he knows that if you come around the anointing long enough, that little crumb is going to do something in your life. Uh, the woman had no right to the master's table, so she pressed through the mess to get the crumbs from above. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. The woman understood that Jesus had so much power in just one crumb that the anointing in it would rebuke every demon in her house. This woman realized she could do more with one crumb than what some church folk can do with a whole loaf. Touch somebody and tell them when you press through the mess, you'll get your crumbs from above. I'm going to finish with this. In spite of your circumstances, in spite of your predicaments, in spite of your troubles, believe God for this kind of miracle. Why? Because this is your time. This is your hour. This is your crumb from the master's table. If you want to break the curses over your life, if you want to see God move in your life in spite of your failings, if you want to see God bless you in spite of where you've been and what you've done, fall down at his feet and start worshiping him. Pick up your hands and raise your voice towards heaven and worship and praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't waste Jesus. Don't waste his anointing. Don't waste his glory. Don't waste his mercy. Don't waste his blessing. And don't waste his presence. Hallelujah. Because one crumb of joy from Jesus is better than a love of pleasures from this world. One crumb of peace from Jesus is better than a loaf of comfort from this world. And one crumb of trials from Jesus is better than half a loaf of serenity from the world. And the Lord is trying to draw out of you a faith that moves mountains. But before he can do that, you've got to press through the mess.
Amen. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. <clears throat> That's what my experience has been in the Lord since I came at 21 years of age. Because I realized and I understood that I began to peel every layer of my onion life until the Lord gets to the core. And then He will draw out things from your life that are going to move mountains. That is going to bring your son and your daughter that is drowning in the muck of sin. The greater the bondage, the greater the deliverance. The greater the sin, the greater the grace. You know, our kids may have issues. But one thing that we and my wife always talk about and always pray about is that we believe that God can do something in their lives. We know that man is limited. And the reason we do things and we say things is because we want you to change your perspective. See, you view your life from the eyes of you. You need to view your life from the eyes of Christ. How the Lord sees you. We can see the potential. But you just don't want to press through the mess. And you think it's all right to mess around with your worldly friends and not think that nothing is going to happen. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Something's going to happen. Something's going to give. Trust God. Believe God, press through the mess. Let the Lord draw out that faith that is going to move mountains.